say. Can you, can you verify this for me? I mean, some people here don't understand. I mean, what is soul? Allora, adesso te lo dico io. Cos'è soul? Non importa come lo fai. Più alto possibile, meglio è. Pensavi di saperlo tutto. Nel suono giù nell'Atlantico. Col miglior ritmo su questo pianeta. Canta se vuoi, non ti sbaglierai. Accendi questa bomba. Yeah, yeah, you get it, you get it, we're here, we're still here. This is Dr. Groove and this is Plague Tapes uh, 117, an exercise in the whole philosophy of what is soul and keeping our souls intact and together through um, the ever-longing, the ever-present pandemic. So, yeah, we've got news coming up later on. Um, I'm not going to preempt any of that or get into any of that. Uh, you can listen to the rage later on. Uh, it's all about love and rage. This is co- being put together after it looks like the storm has abated. So, our first storm, something I can't even remember what the name was. Our gazebo took a hammering, the bins all got knocked over. The seagulls were scrapping over the scraps. Um, that was that was kind of today, mostly today. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. The music tonight, any idea, anybody's idea. All I know is it's show 117 and I like this tune. I'm not even sure what it's called. We're going to start with that and then I'll check in with you later on. Uh, I hope you're all staying safe. Uh, staying well, staying sane. Yeah, sure, that's all we can hope for, isn't it? This is for Tet in a previous format called Fridge. Let's see if this starts playing properly.
I don't know, it just reminds me to call you, but then you never pick up the phone. <laughs> Confidence, believe me, I am wavy. I need something deeper, money does not stimulate me. Whether you got mansions or got diamonds in your AP. Drama, 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 drama. Please don't tell my mama I've been smoking marijuana. Talking a colada's getting loose in the Bahamas. Look at me now, I've got a bitch, her name is Karma. I was moving wild, but now I'm Karma. We was on the front line listening to Kendrick Lamar. Still the same now, we just blow that yaya on our charters. 24s to Aussie just to hang with some koalas. Living in the present, still my future looking sweet. Joe the and Cherry Wine sipping on that Arrows Creek. Please let go of all your troubles whenever you're here with me. And Patience, 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 patience. London born a stay girl to international sensation. Cutting through your settings, do not need an invitation. Basking in this feeling, if I must say it's amazing, I'm amazing. But she was just a groupie I got higher standards Don't waste time trying to pursue me You were trading to let for an artificial booty That's goofy, goofy, goofy Tanisha held you down but you want Lucy Now she kicking up a fuss like Bruce Lee Okay, if you love me, baby, why'd you want to lose me? You use me, confuse me, accuse me It's truly a movie Covered with silver linings, it's your turn just to learn about timing. I got lost in it, you got lost in it. You clocked out me while I stay bossing it. What it cost to be this damn hot with it? Who knew love would be so damn toxic? I'm intoxicated, exhilarated, finally moved on. How devastating for you, got my groove on. Meditating too, creating, making innovative moves. Listen up, honey. Never had a penny, now I'm on artist slash actor money.
And 
I did not become someone different that I did not want to be. But I'm new here. Will you show me around?
gonna talk, man. Ain't ready for that. Man, ain't ready for that. Man, ain't ready for that. Man, ain't ready Yeah, okay, so um, that was Micaiah McRaven with the Royal Outro. Um, that sounds like a jam session with people who really know how to use their instruments. They're classic musicians. Uh, before that, we heard her reinterpretation of Gil Scott Heron um, with harp. I think... Um, Soviet pop has a bit of an issue with harp um, and flute when it comes to jazz, so I don't know, I I like it, so I, I played it. Before that, we heard Quick Eternity from Daniel Avery, Halado Negro with Hometown Dream, Beverly Glenn Copeland with Sunset Village. Beverly Glenn Copeland I wasn't really aware of until this year, and then I started hearing her stuff um, being played a lot, and I think one of her songs just became one of those songs around lockdown so I could totally see how yeah, she makes an impression um, that was Sunset Village before that we had Clark with Bench then we had Little Sims with Two Worlds Apart we had Chris Clark with Slow Spines I think Chris Clark and Clark are two different people I'm pretty sure and The Fridge we started off with Fridge, Tone, Guitar and Drum Noise and that was or is Kieran Hebden, and that is also known as what's the guy's name again? Fortet, more commonly known as Fortet. Yep, you're listening to Dr. Groove. I wanted to read a little piece I found in. I've been trying to get this book for ages. It's by a black lesbian poet and a thinker and feminist called Audrey Lord, and the book is called Sister Outsider. And uh, in this bit, in this little essay, she's writing about poetry and she says, The white fathers told us, I think therefore I am, the black mother within each of us, the poet whispers in our dreams, I feel therefore I can be free. Poetry coins the language to express and charter this revolutionary demand, the implementation of that freedom. I thought that's good enough to be shared for sure uh where are we we're not much more to go news is going to follow this so we're in the kind of the last stretch and i thought we'd do a version of purple haze so let's if i hit this button that's what you're supposed to hear oh yeah there it is
everything got so turned around. Please don't let it get you down. All you got to do is just come and join me. and welcome to Plague Tapes 117 and this is the news section it's been broadcast here on the 7th well it's been recorded on the 7th Tuesday stormy day outside gazebo is down already and you know other damage not a day for swimming no not a day for really being outdoors not a day for the bins to be collected either (laughs) so there's rubbish all over the place and seagulls battering their heads off each other for the scraps um, yeah, so we're kind of a week on from Omicron, Omicron, um, and Andrew's here with me to tell me what exactly we're doing, which is kind of like, not really, nothing to be alarmed at, let's just keep going till Christmas, is that the plan? Um, right, well, let me see, so the, the context in Ireland is cases are slowly increasing week on week, yeah. uh, so like last night... Uh, Although we had a bizarrely low case count last night, and uh, I, I, I'll mention this now because I'm annoyed with such bizarrely low case count last night of 2,950, but there were actually 4,959 positive swabs. So obviously that's just 
you know, the lab workers getting overworked and not being able to process everything in time or whatever. Sorry, what uh, were the positive swabs? How many was uh, 4,959, I think. 4,959. And does that 2,950 include the 4,9,5? It's, it's a little complicated. They don't, they, they, the two reporting windows don't overlap. However, there were also uh, 4,507 on the Sunday. So there should have been a report of about 4,500 or more cases. And instead, it was 2,950. OK, uh, so it's just a total anomaly, but it doesn't mean that we actually had a dip. No, but here's the thing. So this morning, there's some gobshite Fianna Fáil senator who, when I looked him up, he's the hospitality spokesperson or something. Well, of course. Saying, yeah, yeah. oh, it's, it's the lowest cases in a month. It's going and down. It's going so it's down. It says two things. One, it's the lowest cases in a month. Uh, which obviously is bullshit because that's purely an artifact of testing being strangely which and then he goes on and this this is the thing that's annoyed me as well to say that there were no hospitality outbreaks in the last outbreak report which is true and the reason for that is because there were no resources to tra to trace hospitality no contact tracing are so on. high it's all nursing homes okay um, but I've seen a few people now claim that that zero represents none uh, and in fact did I cover this on Sunday I think I did I mentioned this I went back and I worked out how many uh, hospitality outbreaks had been traced from cases back in August when it was a lot quieter and they were able to do more. And from that, I worked out that if they, if you assume the same ratio, i.e. one outbreak for about every 2,000 cases, we'd have had about 14 recorded last week. So we definitely wouldn't have had zero. So two things about statistics early on and people being dishonest with statistics. And that's, I might go on a mad rant, rant later on the show. I went on, on one last night on Twitter, uh, but... Let's skip over that for a moment. But anyway, yeah, so the reality of a situation... Yeah, let's, let's get to the... Let's deal with what we know for the, sure. The brief reality is that cases are increasing every week and have been for a while. Uh, I think there was one week where maybe they stayed about even. Uh, it's not a huge rate of increase. Um, and because of the booster program, probably, and also because more vulnerable people are now isolating again, uh, we haven't seen that come through into hospital cases, which is really interesting. So basically, the proportion of cases going to hospital is around 1.4% at the moment. And that's basically, um, is it half? Yeah, it's about half what it has been for most of the time and about a third of what it was back in mid-October. Um, so that that has basically... it. That, insulated us from the sort of really scary hospital numbers we saw projected last month uh you know like if if we were if we were doing that at, at the kind of 2.6 2.8 percent level then instead of seeing 500 going into hospital every month every week so we'd see about a thousand right and we'd have about 1100 in hospital now so that's that's okay. what's protecting us so but why is that happening like that's what i don't understand is yeah. it because we're going through the numbers of unvaccinated are getting it, so those that figure is getting smaller and smaller. You see, there's multiple possible reasons, and it's hard to know which of them it is. Like yeah. we, so one thing we can say for sure, okay, it's boosters, right? Because boosters have been given to yeah. the most, the older sections of the population. They're the ones with the highest risk of hospitalisation. It's stopping them get. They're stopping them in the short term getting infected as well. So that, so that basically means that kind of over sixty five cohort is now getting infected a lot less than it used to be right so that's one end of it yeah. uh, another end of it is actually if you look at where the infections happening and where they're increasing quickest at the moment that's in primary school kids right um, and it, with primary school kids you need a huge amount of cases to get hospitalizations right now there are a huge amount of cases so therefore there are primary school kids in hospital right now because of it but you're talking about 
a rate of about one for every it's about what one for every three four hundred cases i think right. um you know so that that's point you know point zero two five percent sort of thing or lower in fact i think point zero one five percent at times so that's that's a second reason uh the third one is that is behavioral shifts and that's basically if if you're if you're more at risk you've reacted to this high level of cases in many cases not in all cases uh by deciding to stay at home not go out as much so you're, you're yeah. less likely to be infected uh, probably the, the people in that age group that are getting infected are, are probably quite commonly people who need to go to hospital or the medical facilities things like that sometimes it's it's friends and neighbors but it's you know so but so that's also cut down on that quite a bit uh, so yeah, the the, the, the three oh, three and there's a fourth. Uh, there's a fourth one which is kind of a little hard to explain. I mentioned it on I think like two or three shows back, which is, um, as the younger so your your adult population that hasn't got boosted, right? Their in their immunity to infection at this stage is waning, right? So yeah. they're getting infected more often. However, we know that immunity to severe disease stands up longer. We don't know how long, maybe quite a bit longer, right? Yeah. So actually, what happens is you're more likely to be infected, uh, but you're less likely to go to hospital in comparison with the previous waves. So that would also pull that ratio down. So there's a mixture of things in that mix. So yeah. of those, okay. though, we uh, what we can say is so that the disease being concentrated in primary kids, age, school, children uh, could happen for a while. Uh, but obviously would eventually come to an end, right? Um, likewise, if it's people isolating because of the risk, that's not something that's going to be maintained forever because it's hard to do, you know, for long periods of time. Yeah. Um, so that could see it pop back up again. And if it pops up when we're still at really high cases, that's going to be a problem. Mm. However, if what's driving this is immunity to severe consequences in younger adults and booster shots in older adults, that may maintain itself right uh, so actually because i mean the reason i started tracking this percentage ages ago was so that i could see when it fell and get some sort of idea of when the vaccines were working enough that uh, more things could be open so I mean, that that's kind of my my interest in that particular metric anyway and maybe that's now happening uh, and a fifth actually a fifth know, thing we should mention is that of course you mentioned it at the start yeah unvaccinated people a lot of them have now been infected yeah. uh, and that should leave them with the one, the ones who, the ones who survive it, and the ones who don't get a, a long-term health consequences as a result, they're both significant factors. But uh, that should mean that on subsequent infections, there's some protection against severe disease. We don't know exactly how much yet, uh, but that again will pull it pull it down a bit. So that, they're the they're the factors we're looking at. Uh, yeah, and if you're a funeral backbencher, you don't have to worry about any of those things. You just say <laughs> the numbers are going down. The numbers are going down. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so, so we have they found? Let's move on to the to the super villain known as Omicron. Have they found it here? Omicron, Omicron, whatever. Correcting you wrongly, but it's definitely not Omicron. Omicron. Um, <laughs> oh oh we we did have one case uh, which was travel related. We thought we might have eight or nine, but in fact, the others turned out to be. Uh, this is the S gene dropout thing again, right? The S gene dropout can happen through random mutation of Delta or because other strains are in the mix as well. So, in other words, if so you've just because it doesn't identify doesn't necessarily mean it's not Delta. Yeah, if, if yeah. you've low prev prevalence of Omicron and you get S gene dropout, 
then it's probably in a lot of cases it's not it it's just a random you know one in ten thousand mutation for the other things uh, and then as that prevalence re well, raises then the s gene dropout becomes a much more accurate measure uh, so in england at the moment uh they're now getting a lot of cases every day from that looks like they've uh our value is, is about 3.64 or something over there. And I saw one calculation this morning that... This is just for generally in, in oh, COVID. For, for Omicron in England. Oh, 3.6 uh, for Omicron. Yeah, right. I saw a calculation this morning where they the guy reckoned that there might well be 2,500 cases there already. Now, that's not what they've measured. They, you know, what they've measured is far under that. But it does seem to be spreading in the community over there quite a bit. The one case we had, I think, was travel-related. Right. So there's a reasonable chance that maybe we got that before it transmitted onwards. Um, now, I mean, it's fairly obvious what will happen is it will be introduced from England uh, in in definitely in the Christmas period. The Christmas period, we're going to have very yeah, obvious things. Obvious things. But also right between now it's and kind then. Kind of I mean, how Delta really took off. Yeah, isn't pe it? people go back and forth for for stuff all the time. Yeah. You know, weddings, whatever, funerals. I mean, there's, there's going to be a fair bit of movement back and forth. And uh, although the testing requirement coming in there will catch some proportion of those cases it's you know it's it's very unlikely to catch more than half uh you know and, and probably even a third would be lucky so all we're really doing is slowing it down uh, which is significant because of course as we're slowing it then more booster shots are getting to people and i mean christmas is going to be messy if it's if it's here and transmitting a lot um if so if it slowed so that there's not that many cases introduced already here, um, then that would probably be helpful in not turning Christmas into another complete disaster. But to be honest, I, I, you know, I don't think things look good at the moment in that respect. Uh, okay, so the, so we will, we have, we don't know if it's here or not. What what hmm. do we know about it? We think that your value, like, it always takes time to establish this kind of thing. Yeah, there's a lot of rumor to begin yeah. with. Yeah, these are very early attempts. At very early it. attempts. So, like, is there anything definitive that we can go on in terms of what type of variant we're dealing with here? No, there's still there's still a lot of speculation around this. It's quite hard because, you know, because for instance, if you, in South Africa and in England, uh, we're seeing it transmit faster, or reaching more people faster than uh, is the case with Delta, and we don't know if that's because it is inherently fitter you know whether it just does infect people faster and get them to infect other people faster or whether it's evading existing immunities from vaccination or from infection yeah. uh, like there's no there's no easy way of telling one of those from the other in the initial period okay uh, and it could well be a mixture of both i mean we do have a, a few kind of things that are a bit worrying in terms of it, it appearing to get around um uh, Im uh immunes immunity immunity uh, thank you um, and uh, like so the one everybody's talking about at the moment is Christmas party in Oslo there last week that uh, uh, I think it was an energy company one of them had just returned from South Africa and was infected without knowing it uh, and so we're now looking so this took place in a restaurant and we're now looking at I think 120 cases coming out of it um, about two thirds of those from other people from the same company at the party and another third for just other people who happen to be in the same restaurant bar at the same time. Um, now it's possible that the index case at the restaurant with the you know 
with the rest of his office party or her office party and then went to the bar afterwards and was near some of these other people who get infected but that's still an extraordinary attack rate uh, the, uh, how many people were at this restaurant I think that they, what I've seen is that the company party itself had about 100 at it uh, right. I don't think there's a figure for who, how many were in the restaurant overall now one of the factors people are saying is that there was a big storm in Oslo that night and that may have meant that the ventilation for the restaurant just wasn't extracting air you know there was, was positive pressure forcing it back in basically right. uh, in which case if the person who was infected was, was at peak infection and you're, you're then talking about a space that there's no ventilation at all going into it. You can see why there'd be so many infections coming out. But I mean, that's obviously really worrying because that happens at, you know, maybe a gig or a pantomime or uh, you know, even, a, even a busy right bar or yeah. a restaurant. Yeah. Then you've got your one case is suddenly 50 or 60 cases. And by the time you even know that's happened, each of those cases has become more and it's the the difficult thing we, we we're in at the moment is because we've kept most stuff open uh it, it's not that hard to imagine a scenario where even a quite a small number of cases could rapidly turn into quite a big number if it happened to be the wrong person at the wrong place at the wrong time so i'm so, nervous about that okay yeah and so how how are they testing for this now exactly what happens when you come into the country you have to get tested you have to when you arrive you have to have either a negative pco test or a negative antigen test uh if it's an antigen test it has to be a it can't be one you've self-administered it, it has to be basically one that comes with a cert because the company have done it so like boots for instance do them uh, oh, as do -flight okay. thing, yeah right. i think most of the airports probably have them at those as well uh but the problem with those is i think the pco test can be three days beforehand and the antigen two days beforehand so in other words you could easily have got infected in the meantime but and also you're on a flight and you're probably got infected on yeah. the flight itself yeah also yeah. pco is very unlikely to pick up as positive within four days of being infected so in effect four days plus three days you've got seven days that you could be infected in and it wouldn't be picked up before you get on that flight uh, antigen is even a little bit longer so again maybe seven or eight days uh, and then of course your exposure in an air airport is very high it's probably some use in fact in that it'll probably catch people who are actually infectious in the airport so maybe that's reducing the risk of you getting on that plane or queuing at security or whatever else well, well, hold on a second you said something that, that i didn't know before in all of this mm -hmm. so you could actually theoretically be positive you could have covid and go for a pcr test and the pcr test wouldn't tell you that yeah. you had it yeah it's like a pregnancy test you know, like okay. if you've had sex the night before, you get a pregnancy test. You won't test positive. You, right. you know, you won't test positive on a pregnancy test for several days after you've actually been pregnant. Uh, and it's a, it's a similar thing with uh, uh, both antigen and PCR in that it, they need a minimum amount of virus in your system or, or viral proteins in the case of antigen tests for it to pick up and be registered as positive. And in the initial stages of the infection, that doesn't happen. I mean, a fairly easy way to imagine it is I'm queuing to get my PCR test because so somebody else is positive in the queue with me. They sneeze and I get some, you know, half a dozen viruses yeah. up my nose or something. I get swabbed. You're negative. It's not going to pick yeah, that up, but I've been infected. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I'm sure that actually happens that people get infected while getting tested. There is so. Also, yeah. Yeah, so it basically means like the, the arrivals testing thing, it's some use in terms of if you can cut the number of cases coming in by 
a third or a half. That's an impact. It probably is, is almost as much use in that it probably puts some people off travelling at all. It's probably a total discouragement. Yeah. I mean, yeah, people going yeah. anywhere for a weekend, you're just not going to... Yeah, you can, yeah, it all starts to become a bit too much hassle, but yeah. it's not going to keep it out. Uh, and once there are a substantial amount of cases in England, then there will be a substantial amount here. And in fact, even if even if we kept it out on that level, once there's a st- substantial amount of cases in Northern Ireland, there'll be a substantial yeah, exactly. case. So if you, if you remember Delta coming in, that's basically it's the what same happens. thing. It's it slowed happen. it down, but it, it, it still came in and then it suddenly took off. Um, and we're liable to see a more extreme version of that with Omicron. Okay, so... Um so we're simmering along nicely. Four thousand nine hundred cases. What is it? Four thousand. Yeah, four thousand nine hundred. Say. Yeah, we kind of like over the last 4, couple of weeks, we've gone from being close to four thousand to close to four thousand five hundred. This week, I think we're going to come out as being close to five thousand a day, basically. And um, and ICU numbers surprisingly are going down because we you outlined the five kind of reasons for that. Yeah, they're not. I mean, the 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 base the ICU is. is it's stable to a slight decrease, but that's basically because people are dying there. So, otherwise, it would be going up. Um, uh, it, it's, and I'm I'm wary of using ICU as a, as a a stat for how we're actually doing because actual capacity, the very near capacity, basically all the time. There was a day where Dublin had no beds at all available overnight. Uh, so you don't yes. know if the the number of people with COVID in ICU is the number of people who need to go into ICU with COVID or just that's all the available space has been filled and there's other people being treated for with their uh, high flow oxygen systems instead. Okay. In fact, we know there's other people being treated with high flow oxygen systems. Like probably if oh, there's yeah, 120 like in the ICU, there's 200, well. 250. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so then the whole thing about like information in relation to this, <laughs> I want to talk about that because... Uh, are we still at like one HSE press conference a week and one NEFID press conference a no, week? No, there hasn't been an NEFID one in a month. Actually. There hasn't been one in no. a month. But last week they got into trouble, didn't they? NEFID got into trouble <laughs> by by the government giving out to them. So talking well, to the I press. think it's more interesting than that, right? Yeah. So basically the day restrictions are announced last week, which is basically limits on hospitality, table sizes... Uh, half capacity. None and, of those. And, Let's and talk about that later because a lot of no, 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 no. You see, it's, these are the two same thing, right? Right. So that gets announced, and the same day it gets announced that uh, Neffet are effectively going to be muzzled because they'll no longer be able to do interviews without having advance clearance from uh, the government press office, basically, right? The reason I'm saying those two are connected is because this time last year. Um, after things had opened up and cases had started to take off, uh, Houlihan tweeted that people shouldn't be going to restaurants because case numbers were too high. Uh, the Restaurant Federation went completely ballistic about that and demanded that he be gagged, and that was backed up by a number of politicians. And in effect, so the day that they gave, the day they told hospitality they could only have six on the table, is the same day that they also gave them what they wanted this time last year in relation to. Uh, effort which is to limit their ability to directly communicate with the public um, so I don't I don't think it's coincidental those two things happened on the same day I think that was probably part of the backroom talks that were going on because from the hospitality point of view and you see this on Twitter a lot now I'm going to say what I basically mean is the lobbying organizations there's lots of restaurants and pubs aren't going along with this but that the, what's been pushed by the lobbying organizations is the idea that Neffet are scaring people out of going out 
right? So that what you're seeing is empty bars and restaurants. You you know you're not getting as many people as you as you want. And their argument is that's because Netflix was scaring people. You know, so people are too scared to go out, which is absolutely <laughs> correct on one level because most people at this stage of the pandemic are pretty smart and they go. Five thousand cases a day. I don't know. I don't really know if I really want to go out for that meal out and then spend the rest of the week wondering if I've got a cold or if it's COVID. Um, you know, you could, so I like I, a lot of my friends. We've I've made decisions to cancel stuff. Lots of people are doing that, and it's not because Neffet have scared us. It's because we can look at the data and go, yeah, Jesus. I think I'll wait to them case are numbers. I down a bit. Yes, That's because lobbyists never really give intelligence to the people. They always yeah, think that yeah. they have to be sheeple. Yeah. But, I, I, but like, do you think that this was, this is basically like, when they make the announcement and they also put a muzzle on Nefid, do you think that's like a package? That's a deal that they've done. They said, we have to do something. So they tell the lobbyists, we're going to do this. We're sweeping but for also, you. We're, we're sweeping, sweeping the deal you, because that's, that's, we're going uh, to tell Tony to shut up. I, we won't be able to do anything. Yeah, I think that is probably is what it is. You know, and the thing is, like, it's it's also there's been a whole load of media opinion pieces with what's his name, Dan O'Brien, possibly writing the the worst of them. That you know, like he wrote this one, which is fucking bizarre, but it's basically. He's gone, oh, people in Ireland haven't suffered enough in recent decades, so they're too worried about people dying. Uh, my wife, who's Brazilian, they've had lots of people dying there. They think that's grand. Uh, and sure, other people have had huge wars, and they've had lots of people dying. And they think they're not so worried about COVID as we are. That's, and a, you, that's um, an opinion piece. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, he, he, he's been on a couple of radio shows, and I think he was in the Indo with it, and he was tweeting it out. At least on Twitter, you get to intervene around it. But yeah, there, there is a. It's not just him. It's come up from a few different places. But yeah, there's this whole thing that it's terrible. We're too concerned about people dying, and that's stopping things going back to normal. And if we could just be like the UK and accept that there may be quite a lot of deaths, well, then we could all go to the pub. That's that's kind of the logic, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's fascinating because it's. I mean. Well, you know, well, these are the people who say there's no such thing as society in Thatcher's fam famous words, you know, so they're, they're kind of like the problem, the problem they're facing now is there is such a thing as society. And actually, in this society, people are gone, you know, I quite yeah. like a point, but not yeah. at that sort of level of, of risk to others. That's not really what I'm about. So I'm probably just going to not bother for a while until it settles down. Well. And uh, they're frustrated because the places are open, but there's limited numbers of people going in, basically. So that, that's what. But also, like, that. how we're we're less than a year away from what happened last Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, the yeah. only reason why we're and we went into that with how many cases? I know, like, oh, 400. 400, right? <laughs> No, there wasn't. So even, sorry, it was two hundred and eighty. I think or two sixty with yeah, the day we opened exactly. up. Exactly. So now we're at a factor of like ten. There's a multiple. And it's nearly twenty. We're nearly, nearly twenty, 20 yeah, times. Nearly that. twenty times that, right? And yeah. and. We know that all the the uh, the vaccination program is really working, but we, there's this new variant that inevitably is going to come in, and we're still not really doing anything. But the other, like even just taking a step back, the organisation that the government set up, and the one that has had consistently had more enjoyed more, I would say respect from the public is Neffed, hmm. and now the government is telling Neffed to shut up even though we're going into an incredibly risky period 
with the new variant that we have no idea about what the or value is and a whole load of other things so that's the situation at the moment and we haven't heard from Neffet in what a month Wait, there hasn't been a press conference I mean they, they had done media interviews so but they're not going to be doing any more press interviews because the government have told them to shut up press well, office everything okay. goes through the press office so it's quite so it's quite funny what's been happening the last couple of days because obviously the government did that and the initial tweets that were sent out had loads of support that to me felt was a little coordinated yeah. you know I, I would not be surprised if political party members got an email saying Can you go online and say this is a great idea but after that lots of people start to go what the fuck why would you silence the public health experts what's the public health experts uh, is that what the committee's plus called? plus some journalists got quite annoyed um gavin riley for instance was meant to be having i think nolan on to his uh, sunday afternoon show now is it leo had come out with something about net effort modeling being inaccurate on friday it's also a good illustration of the problem here right so Gavin Riley had obviously contacted Nolan and said, do you want to come on to the show and explain how the models actually yeah, work? Yeah. You'd imagine that would be a very useful public yeah, service. Yeah. Uh, and Especially then, since since the Tornister is rubbishing yeah, publicly. Yeah. yeah. And then the, uh, the government press office said that no one was available. And he was right. like, well, I know he's available because he said he's available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and today, Michal Martin was saying he's checked and uh, uh, nobody was stopped speaking over the weekend. And in doing so, illustrating very well why we can't trust them because these guys just lie for a living. That's what they do. They're, they're, you know, they they basically, if they think, they don't even need to think they can get away with it. They wow. just need to think that they'll convince enough of their own voters or that people will have forgotten about it or whatever. I mean, they, they're completely ruthless. The last thing you want is trusting that crowd to be accurately relaying information to us about public health. Somebody was saying it's today it's um, with the storm. It's like if instead of hearing from uh, uh, Met Aaron yeah. or whatever, yeah. we got it filtered through Dan O'Brien or something. Or, Whoever the Minister you know. for the Environment is. Oh, well, not even that. I mean, <laughs> it could be the Minister of Housing. He, he, keeps, uh, he keeps speaking on stuff because they can't send anybody else out. So, yeah, no, it's, co- it's completely farcical in terms of... Uh, but this is what like this is going right back to like the Ministry for Information. I mean, this is Big Brother stuff. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, totally yeah, madness. Yeah. And this is the same government that spent. Um, wasn't there a specific fund in the pre- preceding government with Fine Gael where there was five million allocated to spin doctors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. that's the people that's the people who the government press office. Yeah, and the funny—I mean—the funny thing is, so like the other people tweeting supporting this were saying, "Oh yes, no, this was needed because communications were being inconsistent and everybody wasn't saying the same thing." You know, we need (laughs) for public health reasons, we need everybody to be saying the same thing. Really dangerous. But literally, the next day after after this happens, the government recommendations are out. You have Leo saying on the media that, "Oh well, maybe we'll be able to stop this quite early on. Maybe it's not as bad as it looks." I like to go. well, there's you gone way off message, <laughs> or, or completely on your there's own. There's your consistent, Jeff. There's the consistency. We've just introduced new restrictions, and you're going. Sure, it won't be that bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, and and I, apart from as a sop to the hospitality lobbying uh, people, I think the other reason they've done it is because out of last Christmas disaster. Uh, in the aftermath they tried to do this thing that nobody had told them and they hadn't been warned and this was all unexpected and they tried to blame Alpha at the time and just go back and listen to the shows most three of us ranted about it if you you go back to last November and you listen from there I mean we predicted it happens 
We say why it's happened, and then we talk about the way they're denying it. And it was just like, come on, lads. What? Another wasn't there a seventy-six page report as well that was given to them about yeah. not opening up hospitality? Yeah, yeah, the EY report as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even the one just... they paid for didn't agree. But anyway, <laughs> if if you Brilliant. limit if you limit the ability of your know, public health people to talk to the media, well, then there's fewer warnings that people then point to afterwards and say, oh, no, look, he said this. Um, now, in fact, the other thing I think it's important to say is that in, on one level, this isn't new because it, one of the reasons we've heard so little from the actual frontline public health doctors, so the ones who are doing contact tracing and all that sort of stuff, is because they're not allowed to talk to the media directly. Yeah, everything has to go through the HSE press office. And the thing about stuff going through press offices is if they don't want a story covered, They'll just say, no, you can't do it. Yeah. You know? Um, so if they decide a particular set of messaging, it might be that hospitality isn't safe, whatever else. This is getting made for reasons that are nothing to do with public health. We just won't hear about it. We won't even know the decision's been made. You know, because a couple of times it might be worthwhile journalists mention mentioning they refuse to give anybody to interview, but that becomes old news after a while. So anyway, but this is this that's is important because this is like this is precisely why we do the show. So it's all up there. You can go back and you can listen to it, but like we're now, like, too early to tell how difficult this is going to be. Mm. Could get really messy, but we're already at the stage where the the people who are going to tell them bad news, um, and warned, warn the public are now being silenced, and then they'll be able to say, well, we never heard from them, mm. which is just and like I mean. If we go back to what I the story I opened the show with. Yeah. They'll pull the sort of bullshit that Fianna Fáil senator did, which is you'll get you. And in fact, Leo's been doing this the last couple of days with the numbers in hospital. You'll get a period where, for whatever reason, cases are low, and then lots of them will be popping up. Oh, going, oh look, over. cases are low, cases are low, and they won't pop up the next day when they go back up again. No, 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 no. They in fact, in fact, the thing is because of the storm, right? Yeah. The storm today means that uh, testing has been disrupted. There's lots oh, of, of test centres not open. Be, yeah. So that means Thursday, Friday, there's got to be lower cases. Yeah, uh, and I and will we'll not be Muppets. surprised if we get the Muppet Squad going. Oh look, it's down to three thousand cases. A it's day. coming down. It's all over. We can just go back. The seven to party. day average is down. We can have the best Christmas ever. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's kind of uh, right. That's where we are with all that at the moment. Oh, it just like it's so frustrating. Okay, so so we're not expecting to hear from so what are we like what we might get a Neffet Prods conference tomorrow because I think there's been such an outcry about it right. that they might they might have to be forced to shove, shoved out there there's a bit of face saving going on so like so once once the outcry started they were saying oh no no we weren't saying you had you couldn't talk to the press we just said you had to contact the press office so we could give you what the latest government briefing was so you would know what it was and I think they'd never know what the government briefing was somebody was saying yeah, you, yeah. Could just, like, you could just email everybody every morning with yeah, the latest yeah, well, like, we, we, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's not a yeah. so that's obviously bullshit as well but oh. yeah it could be that they, that they, because of the, the outcry they'll go well maybe we'll let them do the press conference and we just won't let them do spontaneous interviews during the week or we'll whatever. try and control or, it that yeah, way yeah yeah um, um, and what about the HSE? Are the HSE still doing press yeah, conferences? Yeah, they've still been doing them regularly. They're a different sort of press conference, though. Like, they're more kind of on Stats. the immediate operational challenges they're facing at the moment and uh, what the situation is in, in, in comparison with Europe. Uh, and to be honest, <laughs> I think the HSE top management of those press conferences are much more like politicians in the way they operate, in that they're quite reluctant to to have... Not just not quite to say to, to say to have bad news, but to admit shortcomings, right? 
So they've sort of they've been trying to spin that testing isn't in crisis for the last couple of weeks, you right. know, and just say, oh, well, we're expanding capacity and whatever. I mean, it's perfect. I mean, when you look at the figures, it's perfectly obvious that the limited access to testing at the moment means that we're probably thousand fifteen hundred cases lower each day than we would actually be, right? right. Uh, and it could be. In fact, one of, the, one of the interesting things is if you're looking at uh, results at the moment, it looks like there's this gradual increase, right? Like that going yeah. up. It's even possible that what we're actually looking at is something that's more like this that went up and is actually coming down a bit, but we've expanded testing a bit in the meantime. So we're seeing a little bit further up. So it could be, it might be with a bit of luck that actually the cases are at the moment are coming down slightly, but because we've a better sight of them, what we're seeing is an upslope. So it's one of the many things about the testing program. I actually, I was hopeful about that two or three days ago, but positivity's gone up again in the last couple of days. So I think that's less likely. What is positivity now? That positivity is the percentage of tests that are coming back. No, positive. no, but what oh, is 16%. it? Oh, 16%. 16, all right. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it was down to 14. It went it? down to 14, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, But also I think that that's because the HSE are much more used to being controlled. I mean, there's a yeah. relationship there. Because also the... The limited capacity in terms of testing is something that they should have planned for. Yeah, they shouldn't have got to a situation yeah, where yeah, we yeah. had, like, we never got below three thousand cases. What was that like? I mean, didn't we get like no? But I mean, in the in the recent when we came out of this, we started going steadily up to two two thousand yeah. cases, two and a half. I'm not sure when cases. we crossed the three thousand line, but we've been over it a good while. Yeah, a good while. So, at what point did capacity testing capacity? get limited like why did it get stepped down because I can't see any point well it wasn't so much that it was stepped down it was that it basically they had only it essentially only planned a system that was capable of of detecting maybe 3,000 positives a day <laughs> and then we ended up uh, you know we as ended I said, up going up over towards 5,000 at yeah. the moment so they therefore yeah. expanded now I mean they were detecting three and 4,000 but I mean they're only capable of detecting, say, that much without a larger and larger proportion of them being missed. So I think that's what's been happening right. for the last while, is that that proportion being missed has increased quite a bit. But the, the, it should never have come as a surprise. Like I mean, No, the, I mean... This it was, was going, going yeah. that direction for once, a long once time. Once the decision was taken to reopen indoor hospitality, it was probable that was going to happen. That's certainly the point you should have started planning for it. And, OK, I looked a bit optimistic in September that maybe that wasn't going to happen. So maybe that plan wouldn't have been needed. But certainly by the early October, you could go, oh, no, actually, this is definitely an increase here. We've got here to get we are, together. Here we are in mid, almost mid-December, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we're talking about we're still building our capacity, are yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, tell me about the six measures. Not that I'm going to be going out anyway, but like I can go out to a restaurant with six different tables with six parties at it, a meter apart or something like that. So uh, what are those? Oh, no, the detail of it, they chopped and changed things so much, I don't know. It's basically, it's six to a table and you can't have multiple tables. So you can't do a Christmas party by having five tables of six, for instance, right? There's no right. mixing between tables. That's gone back right. as well. Uh, uh, everything has to, has gone back to being table service, so no no queuing at the bar for drinks, no dancing. So basically, that's the nightclubs have gone with, with those ones. Uh, and then for big venues like so gigs and pantomimes and things it's half capacity okay but but in none of this right like they, let's go back to the to the Norwegian thing right mm -hmm. ventilation is an issue mm -hmm. 120 cases in a restaurant right we're now talking about six people at a restaurant table service doesn't matter they're only a metre apart mm -hmm. I think the tables are only a metre apart 
if you don't have a ventilation system and somebody goes in there with Omicron or whatever the fuck, whatever it's called, there's no, there's no, there's no possible reason why you won't get it. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so like they're again totally meaningless in optics. Well, they're not quite meaningless because the thing is, if you're half capacity, then that's only half as many people as can be infected. Right. So actually, they do. These these measures do have an effect on slowing the rate of case growth, or maybe even leading to case reduction in the context where lots of people are vaccinated. So under under Delta, yeah. I'd have been more confident that they would have had an impact. The problem is, I think the evidence we're seeing is that once Omicron arrives, they'll slow its growth down, but it'll grow so fast that will make shag all difference. That that's basically the problem we're facing. Um, are we talking about restaurants being half capacity as well, or are we just talking about? Because I thought it was only no, it, it's, venues it's just and venues and things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was I was thinking mostly in terms of, but anyway, yeah, okay. Well, I that's, mean, like, that, I think what they were heading off with the restaurant thing is it's basically they were stopping people doing Christmas parties, massive by parties, by like, booking multiple tables, and yeah. that obviously is going to end up being more crowded, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, it's kind of yeah. Um. Okay, so like that's kind of all my questions. I'm just like I think we're at the stage where we're doing another wait and see, but it's inevitable that yeah, I mean, I the supervillain's going to show up. And yeah, we're we'll waiting for Omicron to take off. We still don't have really good data on severe outcomes. Uh, I'm, I mean, I think there's a problem in that some people are getting very hopeful that maybe it won't be as won't hospitalize as many people, but that's often based on not great understanding of the data right. uh, like for instance if you're looking at data coming from South Africa you're looking at a very young population but you're also looking at a population that's probably already been infected so probably has a certain level of immunity because they've been infected probably more than once uh, well. you know yeah. so you, ca you can't compare the hospitalization rate with the hospitalization rate of a naive population um, and the, the bigger problem I mean so so let's take that current hospitalization rate we have of 1.5%, say, right? Which, as I said, that's almost half of what it has been previously, right? And, and let's say that actually it turns out that Omicron is, is milder and only hospitalizes half that. So instead of 1.5, it's 0.75. Turning my maths here into something harder. Let's, let's make it a third, right? Yeah. So it hospitalizes uh, uh, one person in 200, right? The problem is, if on the other hand, it also is incapable of infecting a lot of people very fast, and that one person in 200 becomes 2 million people infected, well then that's way, way, way more than we could deal with in, in, in hospital terms. That's basically the problem. So there's this misconception that uh, a variant that is more transmissible but less lethal is somehow better than a, tra a variant that is more lethal but less transmissible. Right. Actually, I saw a good illustration of that, which is which world would you sooner live in—the world where COVID exists or the world world where e Ebola exists? Right now, Ebola is going to kill fifty to eighty percent of the people it infects. COVID's less than one percent. Right. Yeah. yeah. But COVID transmits really, really easily. Was Ebola does, but only from people that are very obviously sick. So mm -hmm. therefore, it doesn't spread so fast. Right. I mean, we've had repeated Ebola outbreaks for years, but really, unless you're in the region, the village, the town they're in, yeah. they're not that, that important. They don't impact much of your life. If you are there, then you've a lockdown and all the rest in order to contain it, right? Uh, whereas COVID, 
you know, the whole world gets messed up by it. So that's yeah. that's the other way of thinking by it. The transmissibility thing is is really the problem, unless something is as harmless as the common cold. And that would seem like an overly optimistic take. We'll see. Ironically, so there, there is... Um, there are some people who've seized onto this though and go, well, if it's the common cold, it's great because it will just uh, it will it will uh, inoculate the whole population. You know, like uh, it will go through us really fast. Everyone's going to get it. Everyone's going to get it. Everyone's gonna get it. And, and they tend to be the kind of anti-denialist, you know, anti-lockdown. Same people who haven't bothered getting the vaccine. All those yeah. sort of people. So the entertaining thing about that, if that actually turned out to be true, then the most sensible thing you could do would be to have a really severe lockdown for six or seven weeks, because what would actually happen would be Delta would be suppressed quite heavily in that lockdown and Omicron wouldn't and it would it would spread despite it so therefore that would that would get you inoculation sorted I don't think the people advocating that have <laughs> quite worked out that's the logic of their actual position but, because they uh, never want the lockdown ever yeah, ever yeah, ever, but, ever. Uh, well hopefully we won't need to but but I, yeah I think with Omicron it's looking we'll be we'll be lucky to get away with it, it, it like we, we don't it will be to do with severe outcomes in a very highly vaccinated population still don't have a good idea about that it's likely England will be giving us a good idea because they I mean they'll do nothing they're, you know, they're saying go ahead with your Christmas parties etc etc yeah. so therefore it's going to spread there very fast and then three weeks four weeks after that we'll have an idea of, of accurate hospitalisation figures Public Health England are also very good at tracking data so you know we, we'll have an answer there but unfortunately the process that gives us the answer there will also give Not us Omicron here too late. It's too we'll, late. Be, yeah, yeah. We'll, be a couple, we'll have a couple of weeks warning of what's coming basically um, but given given that anyway and the circumstances in relation to like you wouldn't even discuss ICU beds because that's effectively a capacity uh, well so, yes I mean there is <laughs> so this is this is what I don't understand yeah, yeah, because yeah. You can look at the trajectory and you can see a crash is coming. Yeah, we're we're on trade on track for that. Yeah, um, and like we're thankful, obviously, that the vaccination is really helping. Mm. But if you're at capacity and you've got a new variant, yeah, and it's it's known to be, it's known to be more infectious or faster spreading or whatever it might be, whatever the yeah. scenario is, it's just bad news. And yeah, doing yeah, yeah. the six whatever whatever little optics were about halving capacity or whatever else, mm. right? That's just a small part in the small step in the right direction. But the rest of it is is just it seems like we're just waiting for the inevitable crash to happen. We're waiting for the next disaster. Like I mean Yeah, I mean it it's basically if if anything that infects a lot of people, a lot of the population in a relatively short amount of time, and again, the problem with this is it's not even that it's spread out over a year, it's, there's going to be a peak, and the peak will be very big. In order for it not to be a problem, then you need to have that percentage of people who will need ICU to be absolutely tiny. Yeah. You know, uh, As I said before, if it's one in a thousand, then for every million people that's a thousand ICU beds so Omicron infecting four million people in the space of three months is a complete disaster yeah. that's lots and lots of people dying who, who would not have died otherwise basically even though it's only that one in a, a thousand which is my estimate for the vaccinated population right? yeah. um, so it, it, in order to for that not to be a problem what does it one in ten thousand maybe 
at that sort of rate, even that would be quite a big challenge over three months. But you know, but, but that, that's you, what you're talking. But about. how do you plan for that? How do you like if you don't if you do like the six restrictions that they've done and they do the testing yeah. about people coming in or whatever? That's but just gonna, this is why I'm pe- kind of pessimistic at the stage of our lockdown thinking, because yeah. that's all you can do. And if if it's the case that Omicron is as transmissible as it appears, yeah, that would probably need to be quite a severe lockdown. Yeah. Uh, in order to work now it, it could be you know it could be that obviously South Africa could, could be that that was very open at the time no real restrictions in place UK obviously no real restrictions in place whatsoever yeah. Yeah. so it, it, it might be that actually the rate it transmits that here with the setup turns out to be lower you know maybe we don't know there might be you know there might be it might be more manageable it but, could be but, that the boosters will will take the edge off that hospitalisation thing at least for a while. You know, it's not like that. I don't think I don't think we are in an inevitable heading towards a lockdown in January situation, but we're really quite close to that happening. And basically, we need. I think we need to be lucky, and the world needs to be lucky in some aspects of of how this actually rolls out. But uh, that is. You where see that like that like could be lucky might be maybe <laughs> i mean there's a lot of like risk associated with those words there's not really any real um you know it's very hard to be assured because it does feel like there's a pretty big gamble going on at the moment that's what yeah. it feels like yeah yeah well that that's the case that's why uh yeah okay that's cool let's come back next week and maybe it'll get better maybe it will get worse by next week i'd say we'll start to have some better data on hospitalizations in South Africa it's still very preliminary so it's kind of hard yeah. to know um, and possibly oh. transmission from English data will start to be quite solid you yeah. know the, like the, the numbers I'm throwing out here are kind of like early work that people are doing on available yeah. data they're kind of sketchy I mean they're kind of useful to see yeah. and they are kind of coalescing around that sort of R equals 3 to 4 value like that different ways you can try and work it out all seem to be thrown out similar numbers um, but yeah I mean the, as we go on data will become a bit more concrete and hopefully it ends up that we keep it out of, out of here long enough that the answer starts to become more definite because the, the thing is uh, as we point we've made a thousand times before acting early you know even if you need to take severe action even if you need to do a lockdown you're better doing it early than doing it late because if you do it late it has to go on much longer to get yeah. things back under control again uh, and also if you do it early it might be that you don't have to do it at all maybe you just have to I don't know tell restaurants and pubs that to have capacity and that will handle it or whatever else you know like well, once we've better idea we'll, we'll have a better idea of, of where the limitations are yeah yeah just doesn't seem like it's our culture to act early though does yeah. it I wouldn't be planning any uh, foreign holidays at the moment so that would be funny. no unfortunately <laughs> that seems to be the way it that's, works that's right. the other aspect of things uh, okay, listen, it's good to know. Anyway, at least we get information from one place. <laughs> and thankfully, the government press office cannot put a muzzle on you. Oh, no. Just great. Well, we're on the door downstairs. <laughs> yeah, somebody claiming to be the television license yeah, inspector yeah, 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 yeah. and suddenly get bungled into a van. All right. All right. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs>